Have you ever been watching a bad movie and thought to yourself, wow, any half-drunk jackass could come up with a better pitch than this? Well, have I got a podcast recommendation for you. The Film Rescue Show is a podcast that does exactly that. They take a movie, break down what worked and what didn't, and then pitch a new, sometimes better version. And if you're interested but don't know which episode to start with, I've been on some of the best, such as Red Dawn, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Hellboy, Warcraft, Scott Pilgrim. You can find all these and The Film Rescue Show either by searching for The Film Rescue Show or Jaguar Shark on your favorite podcasting site. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Brent Ork, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It is okay. How's it going with you? That dramatic pause had me worried. I'm like, oh, that, that, that's, a heavy, that's a loaded dramatic pause. Well, yeah, I guess, but nothing nothing worth sharing. Yeah. Uh, children are plague gremlins. Yes, yes, they are. I mean, I'm... I'm I ever since my daughter started kindergarten, it's been like I have sick weeks and then not sick weeks. And I feel like just... you could do the the meme of the show me the difference between these pictures and it's a child and a nerdling and yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it 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 very much is. And the thing is, she bounces back from it in no time. And meanwhile, I'm still hacking up a lung. Looks like you dumped Constitution, buddy. Yeah, I I ran it for as long as I could, but when you run up against child plague, there's there's no save for that. Yep. Nothing but a nat 20. <laughs> anyway, so you're sick. I'm sad. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to something fun. Our patrons sound off the start of the part of the show where we thank all the people who support us and let us be sick and sad. They are Pam Gelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Gelly, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin May, Brendan Enu, John Vinnels, Kit, Kenny, Seth, Decker, Dona Lucy, Carson L, Scott Rubin, Derek Takati, and Peter Cook. And if you'd like to join the Illustrious Legion, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode gets you early access. $5 a month gets you early access, bonus content, and Patreon is nice and they let us get some of that money back. Anyway, I don't know if this is going to be released sequentially, but it will be released sequentially. Okay, well then, last week we started off a uh, the good, the bad, and the franchise for Star Wars, and we covered the original trilogy. This week we are looking at the next set of Star Wars movies and some related material that came out. Well, in and around, in between, and after, and related to. Yeah, this or apparently has a point in regards to one of them, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, this is the part where it gets tricky. But we kind of addressed a lot of the trickiness in the last episode, which you really should listen to because they're all weaved together. We're celebrating six years. Woo us. All right, Star Wars. Plus, the original trilogy was probably generally a more positive conversation than this one will be. I very clear, right up front, Ulrich and I are not interested in sitting here shitting on the prequels. The internet did that for fucking 15 years. And now, arguably, in the last few years, there's been some reappraisal of the prequels. I think some of it's justified and some of it's not. But I'm not interested in sitting here and kicking that fucking horse. It's been dead for decades. Yeah, and it, the, most of the arguments are dumb and pedantic. Yeah, like, I think Phantom Menace is not good. I think that Attack of the Clones is actively bad. And I think Revenge of the Sith is good. So, I don't know. I guess I'll start off with Phantom Menace then. 
which came out what in 1999 is that what you said 99 i believe because i saw this in theaters on a family trip and it was amazing i remember seeing it in theaters too i was eight at the time i remember liking all the lightsaber stuff yeah i remember liking all the the pod racing yeah i think even as an eight-year-old, I didn't understand the appeal of Jar Jar Binks, but I was also that kid as a five-year-old who wanted to kill Barney, the Teletubbies, and anything like them. So I was not well-adjusted. I'm still not. Anyway, but I don't I think know I remember... if Jar Jar ever worked for anyone other than Slagathor. Slagathor loves Jar Jar unironically and uncritically. Yeah, power to her. I, I actually don't hate Jar Jar like a lot of the internet did. I never cared much for him i never I hated did, him like the internet did but i got why he grated on people's nerves i do think that the idea that he was probably going to be a sith reveal is probably true based on interviews and stuff i've seen from george luke for anyone who doesn't know because th- this was like a internet un- thing that went around a few years ago but people basically started breaking down like okay george lucas has these habits he was following these particular like motifs with the hero's journey he talks about rhyming like stories it's a famous clip of his and he wanted the prequels to quote unquote rhyme with the original trilogy and in that regard people have kind of figured out that at least in the in the phantom menace there are several things going on with jar jar that indicate that he was probably going to be a mirror to yoda where like yoda showed up as seeming like a ridiculous kooky like goofy puppet thing in empire strikes back before being revealed as the jedi master jar jar was going to be the same thing but revealed as a sith master who'd been manipulating events up to that point that was i would say that's probably what george lucas was going to do but then jar jar got the extreme negative fan backlash and they pivoted I I've never heard that theory for Darth Jar Jar. I've heard the Darth Jar Jar theory a bunch, and yeah, well, that's, always, the base, that's one of the basis of the Darth Jar Jar theory. Is, I've always is discounted it as fans really reaching. Yeah, no, there's a lot of like things that George Lucas has said in interviews, as well as like what people are putting on the movies that indicates that this was probably the original plan. I don't know. There's framing around that that I can see. Like, okay, I I can see that. I still don't know if that was the case as much as it was George wanted to throw in a character the kids could like and would sell lots of action figures. Yeah, I mean, the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It didn't actually happen. But I'm just saying that I have seen enough compelling evidence to indicate that I think that this was the intent. It's relevant to this conversation because cards on table. I am someone that has always liked the prequels, still likes the prequels, defends the prequels. We're going to talk a lot about what George Lucas intended. And authorial intent only matters as much as you, the audience, decide it matters. So, yes. uh, you know, but I do think that in this case, it's interesting because it that's makes... what makes the prequels to me interesting is like you a lot of Lucas had a lot of really good, really interesting ideas at play. Yeah, that he didn't quite know how to bring into action, you know? Yeah. So we're like eight years old. Phantom Menace comes out. It had been when did Return of the Jedi come out? Like 80. 85 or something like that like 85 86 i don't know all right so that means it had been like 14 years since the previous star wars movie it had been a while and this was a huge deal yeah i remember like i didn't even have regular tv because i grew up pretty poor but i do remember seeing a marketing push for phantom menace that was very very strong and Star Wars is one of those things that I've said for a long time is a cultural touchstone. At least it 
it has been historically. So the second you're in the seat and the John Williams score picks up and you see the crawl, it's very easy to get hung or swept up in the whole thing. Yeah. No, I remember this was a huge thing. I think like Pepsi had a deal for like licensing and shit. Like there was Darth Maul Pepsi cans or something. Yeah. Which is yeah odd considering Darth Maul's kind of a. It Coke well, really feels like they should have snagged that one. But. That I didn't even think of that, but that's true. I I uh, adore Ray Park. Ray Park is the uh, actor who played Darth Maul. He also is Toad in the original X Men movie. Ray Park is not a particularly good actor, but he's an amazing martial artist and yep. stunt choreographer. And he was perfect for Darth Maul. And Darth Maul again was like a huge part of the marketing. Everyone like, holy shit, who's that dude? And why does he have a double sided lightsaber? Lightsaber's gonna be double sided? That's awesome. Plus, we gotta oh, I gotta turn my Discord to do not disturb so we don't get sounds like that anymore. Anyway, plus Phantomanus gave us Duel of the Fates, which is probably one of the best lightsaber duels in the entire trilogy well as a duel like cory i would say as a duel and what it's meant to represent but the the set the music piece the duel of the fates is i think i don't personally think it's the best piece of star wars music but i think if someone made the argument that it is there's merit to it no considering uh... it elevates its sequence so much but if we're talking about just phantom menace right and we're trying not to, you know, just kick the dead horse. It, from my perspective, right, and from a lot of people's perspective, it spends probably a little too much time in unnecessary bureaucracy conversation. Yep. It literally begins with a whole thing about trade routes Which, and blockades. I think that was Lucas taking the wrong lessons from the fandom that demanded detailed schematics of the Death Star and lightsaber construction like oh they want the nitty-gritty details and it's like okay here's the nitty-gritty details about how this society works no no that's not what we want that, that that's not what we want we want yeah, field and, manuals and i i just want to get this out of the way because i actually don't have anything in i think new to say about this but there are things that we've talked about with other franchises things like Lord of the rings and whatnot where things can be seen as racist and whether they were intended or not is tricky. Goblins are a good example of this because Goblins' original kind of fairy tale version of them was already, and then you're copying. Them. I don't know about that. I do know that in the case of Phantom Menace, where he's invented two completely new species and chose to give them both accents that were very over the top. I'm not claiming anything about Lucas himself. I don't know the man. I don't know anything about that. I do think that that was a poor decision and was going to immediately not age well. It was. And the like the only real defense is like, if it was done, it was done without malice. I would like to think so, because I haven't seen well, a whole lot of evidence. Here's of... the difference. So like the goblins, goblins already are kind of like, eh, that, that's a bad one. When goblins run the banks, then it's like, okay, you know what you're doing now. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's tricky. My point is that when you're basing your 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 thing, or when you're using an actual already existing like mythological creature who has a set of characteristics, and then you're leaning into that set of characteristics, which to me is like what you do when you have goblins run banks, not to defend the fucking anyway. That's I feel like different because it's very easy, I think, to make those kind of decisions without malice. But when you're creating from wholesale a race. That is then your, your essentially your head of robotics and merchandise or uh, uh, industry. Yeah. And you give them Asian accents and the faces that they have. 
Uh, I feel like you can't get around that. No. The best defense you can do with that one is this this is based on Flash Gordon and Flash Gordon's history of villains is Yeah, so that's that's all that's all I want to say about this for the entire remainder of this recording yeah. is that if, if someone else wants to be like, hey, it's racist, I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong. I'm just no. saying that I don't I, I don't feel like I strongly have anything to add to that, which has been re- fucking recorded by tons of people over the last. Well, it was also years. like it's racist and George Lucas is racist. And that's why it's OK to shit on this movie. I'm like, you've yeah, which, taken two steps that I really can't follow you with. Yeah. Like I again, I can get on board with saying that the depictions of of the Gungans and whatever the other race are are racist. Oh, I would not. I, had the name I, would, and I lost it. Yeah, I would not say that George Lu- that makes George Lucas racist. I think that makes at the it just makes George Lucas a user of certain tropes that I think was not wise of him. But yeah. again, I'm not going to argue someone telling me that it's more than that. I yeah. I don't have anything. But if I put it, now that we got that, I got that out of the way. If I'm talking about like me personally, what I don't. Uh, well, let me get one more nitpick. Uh, this actually that last thing was a nitpick, but this is a nitpick. Fucking hate the Yoda puppet, and uh, I I love Yoda as original puppet, and I don't know what the design principle was, but Phantom Menace's puppet looks cheap, so bad. It looks cheap. It's yeah. why I never really hated CGI Yoda because I'm like, no, no, that that looks better than that thing. Was yeah, Henson and that, and, not available? Yeah, and I'm gonna say that in this case, I call that a nitpick. Like Yoda's barely in Phantom Menace. It's really just. I, why is he painful to look at? But it does, yeah. that doesn't make the movie bad itself. It's just something I don't like. So, so now I'm just going to go down the list of positives because I want to talk about the positives. Uh, uh, positives. I like Liam Neeson's performance yeah, a lot. I, fun. Weirdly enough, I do think Qui-Gon Jinn is an idiot, but I like how Liam Neeson plays him. But that's because I like Liam Neeson. And Again, I'm okay with him being kind of an idiot because you know what? Sometimes people are dumb. Yeah, well, I've heard people who read the extended lore and whatnot say that there are reasons why Qui-Gon Jinn makes the multitude of terrible decisions that he makes. And that's fine, but at least for a moviegoer, though, you don't I don't know that. care as much about that as what, again, he's kind of meant to represent. And yeah, again, we'll, but talk I like, about, we'll talk about yeah. more when we get to Duel of the Fates of why I like Qui-Gon as he is. Well, the whole metaphor, yeah, there's a metaphor going on that's great. Um... I like Ian McGregor. I mean, I've I've come to really like Ian McGregor in general. I'm sad to find out only in the last month that he there is some weirdness around him in real life, but I don't know that well enough yet for it to color my opinion for now. I just like seeing Ian McGregor in things, and this was the first time I saw him, and he's really good at sounding like a young Alec Guinness. Like yeah. I feel like that gets overlooked. He does that super well. No, his performance, like this first one, not his best. From here on out, he really keys in like, no, no, I believe you are young Ben Kenobi perfect and like i said darth maul everything about darth maul is great yeah i have no complaint about everything about darth maul other than i wish maybe he... actually no it's kind of a good thing that he never says a single word to the jedi it makes him feel like this force yes that they have to deal with no he is perfect because exactly he represents what he is supposed to be he represents the dark side of the force everyone's like yeah, oh, Arthur... we should live for more movies like no he served his purpose yeah although i do love the story around after the yeah. Phantom Menace four no, no. that's like that's post later. Phantom Menace, they do a lot of great stuff. But for this movie, he was the big fist that came down going, yo motherfuckers, I'm the dark side. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I believe that. Look at that scary motherfucker. Yeah. I will also come down on the side of 
defending's too strong a word, but I don't have any problem with the kid playing young Anakin because he's supposed to be like what not ten years old, like nine or, or something. I like, I think it was a mistake to maybe start your story here with this version of Anakin, but I yeah. don't think it's a cardinal sin that everyone treats it as. No, that's what I mean. Is that like, yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and defend it, but I definitely don't think the kid deserved everything that happened to him. Oh God, after that. dude, Jake Lloyd's life was ruined because of Star Wars fans. Yeah. Now, admittedly, uh, again, I think Attack of the Clones is a terrible movie, but it does a better job of. Well, I guess we'll get there in a second. Yeah. So yeah, nothing about this kid feels like Vader, but that's the point. Yeah. It's supposed because to this be whole like movie, like the thing is. This there's a crossroad of this kid could have gone down two paths, and unfortunately the fates conspired to go down the not good path. That's yeah. why it's called so Duel of the Fates. So I'm fine with him. I'm I'm fine with Jake Lloyd's performance. I'm fine with the whole like slave thing. Oh, I forgot about the the slave owner and what he Watch okay. Me. Yeah, but never mind. Put that aside. That's also the part of that other conversation we just had. Yep. He's not great. Uh let's see, other positives. The pod racing scene is fucking incredible. Pod racing is good. The sound effects on that is just pure Star Wars. Yeah. No, I like the pod racing. The pod racing scene stands out. I mean, people big. bitch like, oh, it's so long. Like, shut the fuck up. That yeah, is big... like a core memory in giant surround sound thing. The whoop, 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 as it goes by. That is peak Star Wars. Stupid, weird sounds coming out of stupid, weird things. Yeah, sure. Pod racing is great. I... I like the battle droids. The battle droids are cool. Battle droid designs are cool. I do like them. Uh, did we get droidicas? And yeah, droidicas pop up like as the, they're just cutting through the uh, B ones, and we're like, "Ha ha, Jedi kick ass!" And like, send in the droidicas. What the fuck's a droidica? Pops on the shield. Oh, right, that's a droidica. And we get our first and only depiction of a Force run, and never again. Yeah, and I love it and I hate it because like, oh, that effect doesn't look good. And now I'm thinking about is wait. Why aren't we using more force powers? Let's see. This was also my first movie. I remember with Natalie Portman, whose name I didn't know at the time. And I think she just like today, I think she's okay. <laughs> she's nothing special. She not, does her job. Not, fine. not a great one in performance in this one. Uh, young Kira Knightley's also in there. She is. Is she the, she's the double. She's the double. Uh, that's right. Can't tell under all that makeup, but nope. Oh, that's, that's the other thing. The costume designs and the designs in general was, again, peak Star Wars. It felt yeah. like Star Wars, which keep that in mind, because that will become a conversation in our third or fourth part, whichever one it falls to, talking about unique, fun Star Wars designs. Yeah, what is Naboo? Naboo's the planet, yeah, Naboo's right? Naboo's the planet. Naboo's yeah, cool. I love all the I love all the clothing on Naboo. I like that it's this jungle planet, which makes it very different from, the, you know, the... Hey, it's up not to that Tatooine point, again. Yeah, we got a desert planet on Tatooine, we had an ice planet, and then a cloud planet on Hoth, and then we had a jungle planet on uh, Endor, and so now we've got like more like a swamp planet with yep. uh, Naboo, which is also like a rainforest kind of thing, which is different than what Endor's jungle looks like. Yeah. So, new environment. No, visually, cool. it's really, really cool. Uh, I love the Battle of Naboo. With I hate the Battle of Naboo, but... <laughs> I like it. Again, that was so cool to me as a kid when those big droid carriers came up and they slowly just started unloading in the, the clunk, clunk menace. I'm like, oh, well, this is cool. I don't like the Gungans because I'm like, you know, this doesn't even feel like a fair fight. What the hell is happening here? But, but that's kind of why... Okay, for me personally, that's one of the reasons why I didn't like it because of the Gungans depiction undercuts the menace of the droids entirely. Like, 
it's funny the arguments i hear lobbed at the ewoks being the stormtroopers that don't work for me but you apply those basically those same arguments to how the droids versus the gungans are and i'm i understand it more yeah i don't know like i've heard george lucas talk about them like the his idea he like it's a great little clip of him talking with uh spielberg before the movie came out yeah talking about the b ones like yeah these are the new uh stormtroopers but they're cheap and they're junky and they break down and you know they're meant to represent you know uh industrialization of warfare and how it's whatever's cheapest not whatever's best mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah no that, that's there and that's great but they come across as so menacing and terrifying and powerful you do a great job of setting that up and then we look at the gungans i'm like what the fuck are you guys even doing slingshots really yeah come now, on now we've already been talking about this movie longer than i really wanted to so real quick duel the fates metaphor at play now there's a few things actually going on in the prequels I really like. My uh, my favorite un- underlying message concept is the idea of that prop is that it's a subversion of prophecy stories. I actually love that when that got pointed out to me, and we kind of start that here because the as Ulrich basically alluded to the du- the fates in question, the duel of the fate. Like Anakin is a character who literally has no father; he was born fatherless, and Qui-Gon becomes the theoretical father figure. And so <laughs> you could argue basically Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan are going to get killed in order to win. Whichever one does get killed is going to change drastically the fate of, of this boy. And the problem was that the one who could be a father figure is the one who died because Obi-Wan was never ready or qualified to be a father figure. He becomes... We find out much later he agrees with this sentence entirely. He's a brother figure, and that's good, but not it's what Anakin not needed. Not what Anakin needed. And that's why I love like the depiction of uh, Qui-Gon. It's like, Qui-Gon is kind of this rebel, kind of this outsider. He kind of bends the rules. He kind of, he brushy, he really resists the current order of the Jedi, where Obi-Wan Which again, is cons- by the book. Considering, yeah, and considering that the Jedi Council basically writes their own fate mm-hmm. again having a mentor figure who would have steered anakin more into like hey you can be a good guy without having to necessarily go along with these pricks that's would've... what anakin needed that's why it's called the duel of the fates that's why there's a little jesus looking figure fighting a little <laughs> devil looking figure yeah it's not subtle but, but it, people you know... still miss that one which is funny because again there was a clip it's like dave filoni and a bunch of other stars people talking about it and Filoni's breaking down why duel of the fates is so good and talking about that exact thing people are like oh my god i never realized it's like really yeah I, why do you think darth maul's designed that way <laughs> again it's called duel of the fates whose fates do you think we're dueling with here yeah it's literally uh, anakin's fate that's being fought over and while the good guys win they don't win in a way that gets the, the 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 fate that we want to move forward as, yeah. it, as it were but at the same time it's kind of like lucas has great ideas maybe if there had been another hand on the steering wheel we could have guided that idea more clearly maybe yeah i don't know that's a hard one to do without like because a lot of that comes with hindsight that yeah. that part about like how the fates operate now going into the phantom menace we all know anakin becomes vader that's the whole fucking point of having Anakin there. So it's not like a matter of like, you know, questioning what's going to happen. It's a matter of seeing how it gets about there. And the movie does try to steer the audience there by having multiple instances of like, hey, here's how Qui-Gon operates. Qui-Gon does Qui-Gon does care about this kid. Qui-Gon also willing to kind of go around the council or he he's gonna make this kid a Jedi. Like he says like straight up it's like 
I'm gonna make this kid. You know, he, he's the one that. Ma- Admittedly, he's also falling into the whole "don't trust big dumb prophecies" thing. Yeah, but, I don't know. But, it's just it's one of those things we spent so long nitpicking and finding things to hate about this movie that it took a whole like decade and a half to come around and go. Oh no, there are things to like about these movies. Oh yeah, I will. I'm not going to claim by any means that there are not enjoyable things. No, no. In more even... my point is, it's the old idiom of it's easier to tear something down than it is to build something up. Absolutely. Which is why I am glad that the prequels have gotten, in general, a reevaluation. Even though I still think two of them are bad, I don't think that they are deserving of the ritual flaying that they got for as long as they did. All I'll say is in a world in which people will tell me at nauseum that Speed Racer is an unrecognized classic piece of cinema, I don't, I don't get you people. I, I, I don't. Apparently, you are in the minority there. I mean, I have no, not seen. No, there's a very movie, key, so. very loud minority of people that love that movie, and I don't, I don't know. know. And I, I keep seeing references to it as being good from unexpected locations and different YouTube creators, and every because I haven't seen it, I have no frame of reference. I just yeah. keep seeing like, oh, well, people love, people like this uh, movie. Apparently. I ain't going off on uh, Wachowskis today. That's a whole other. No, I don't want to touch Wachowskis. That's just a minefield. <laughs> I mean, it's far beyond. Anyway, so yeah, Phantom Menace, it exists. <laughs> All right, Attack of the Clones has some ideas I quite like. Because... Attack of the Clones is the one that I... There's a lot I like about this one, and there's a lot I don't like about this one, and I can here's... see the movie it should be in the middle. Yeah, here's what I'll say. I'm I'm not coming up with this. I don't even know what YouTube creators said this first. Uh, I, I'm just pulling from my brain. I know someone else said this. Uh, Phantom Menace has a more like a consistent level of not great. It, it, like it has some highs and lows, Duel of the Fates being a real high, but for the most part, it's just kind of this like same level. Attack of the Clones is good parts are like really good, and its bad parts are like really bad. It so, has much more like jumping. For example, yeah. we're focusing on good things. I love the whole Obi-Wan as noir detective yep. concept. Obi-Wan because I love solid. Noir. Yeah, because I love noir stuff and watching Ian McGregor be a little bit older, play the character a little bit older and doing things like going into CD bars to try to find the, the core of this conspiracy. I, that's just fun shit. I don't know. You if want it, to buy death sticks. You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. Perfect. Now it's, odd, you know, it's odd because it's, it's not necessarily great from a movie plot construction because Attack of the Clones is kind of all over the place when it comes to how its narrative unfolds. It's, this but is it's... But that section is fun. I love seeing Obi-Wan just trying to uncover a mystery. That's, yeah. That's fun. So here's my problem with Attack of the Clones and kind of my problem with the prequels as a whole. There was too much going on for three movies. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, Lucas really kind of trapped himself in telling, okay, I'm going to tell three, take three movies, tell this story. Like, But your ideas are so much bigger than that. Honestly, though, I feel like there's a good argument to be made that Phantom Menace didn't even need to exist. Yes. Not, that, not really. That is just... my thing is you start with Attack of the Clones. You start. That's your first movie. Your second movie, you do the Clone Wars stuff. Your third movie, you wrap it up. But you kind of need. I don't know. I just feel like no one. No one really. I just said how like I don't mind Kid Vader. But we didn't need it. I think you starting need it prequel, because you need to see where he came from and kind of the the branching path. 
but I don't think you need to. But well, I, mean, I think you could cover that in a flashback. Yeah. Well, that's what I was about to say is that like, if we start immediately with teenage Anakin in training, because like the most important scene, in my opinion, in Attack of Clones, the entire thing is his bit on Tatooine when he massacres the Sand People. That yeah. is the true beginning of Vader. And it's actually a really great scene, I think. But I think that we didn't need a whole movie to establish a relationship with his mom. Like, a general audience understands the basic concept yeah. of kid and mom and slaves. Like, yeah. you could have done that without a whole movie of preamble. No, that could win. Hell, I've also argued... You could have started the Clone Wars halfway through this movie, have Anakin and Obi-Wan be contemporaries. Qui-Gon is their master, their father figure. He gets killed. That's our branching yeah. path, is how they deal with the death of their father figure. And then kind of how war affects these two characters as they go through and how Obi-Wan yeah. becomes one but way and Anakin becomes another yeah, but at that point, we're in uh, full-on fan fiction mode. So yes, no, I have, th I've thought about, I have thought a lot about how I would, you know, like, okay, if I had to do this, the best way to do this, as it is, I still but like so, a lot of Clone War, uh, Attack of the yeah. Clones. Well, that's what I'm saying. If I'm talking about stuff in Attack of the Clones that I like, because I'm trying to be positive here, I love Obi-Wan as a, as a Nord detective. I love the Sand People Massacre sequence. Basically, yep. everything about that is, is great. I think Jango Fett's fight with Obi-Wan is cool. The, Just star like fight, the, the fight with the starships again is peak star Wars sound effects with the yeah. uh, echo mines. Sure. That's basically where my positives end though. I, um, what can I throw out? Uh, the politics stuff is a lot better. Like it makes better, sense. but still not great. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it takes a while. Cause again, this is Lucas is getting kind of twisted up in stuff. He wants to say, and he wants to comment on the Bush administration and the Iraq war. And Mm -hmm. it's like you got too many ideas here george you need to you know which you, again you totally, under totally understand where he's coming from arguably actually almost inarguably the original star wars came from giant vietnam. metaphors for vietnam specifically yep. so it's not like star wars hadn't done that before he's got great again there's some commentaries in there about war and politics and the whole military industrial complex which ironically he comes back to much 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 later we'll get to that eventually but there's also like weird a lot of weird things for a regular viewer, like weird deep dives into what older like Jedi lore kind of stuff that exists. Like this whole idea of uh, where the clones come from. The yeah, clone order was safe, but yes, to this day is still a rat's nest of contradictions and what the fuckery. Yeah, exactly. So, and I feel like making all the, 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 the clone troopers, clones of what we as fans knew as Boba Fett. I mean, that's the only reason. Yeah. That's, that's such an odd decision. It's because there was nothing like that in the original. I don't yeah, know. It, it's a weird choice. But again, this is Lucas looking at what the fans had been obsessing over, the, you know, all the decades between. Considering Boba Fett had five lines in the entirety of the original trilogy, but his design was so good that he, everyone's obsessed yep. with him. I kind of get wanting to give that character a bigger role it's it just felt like a weird decision it, it, though it when a, there was no like arguing it's a weird thing fortunately it gave tomorrow morrison a lot of work and he still gets I mean, yeah, work off it. i love to as far as i can tell tomorrow morrison is just a genuinely good dude yeah almost the entire sequence on the um i don't know what they're called the, the vespid planet i know oh they look like vespids. i fucking geonosis. Love geonosis geonosis is yeah, awesome I, I love geonosis i don't i because none of it like stands out in my brain at all other than the sequence when they're in the coliseum and they're kind of um What's the word? Bantering. They're bantering at each yep. other. Which, okay. Hostile negotiations. 
Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And mostly that's held by Ian McGregor's charisma. There's uh... the there's the whole terrible romance thing, but that's two teenagers being terrible at romance. I, I don't care. Yeah, it's, that, it's that, painful to watch, but I don't care. I get where it's going. It doesn't work. Oh, I love the scene. I love the Jedi intervention. We're like, holy shit, look at all these Jedi. They're here to kick ass. Immediately like, oh, no, they're fucked. Their time is, uh, their time is over. Also, and here's my, if I'm going to have like a hot take here, I hate the Yoda fight at the end. That's not it, a hot take. Everyone hates the Yoda fight. Really? Because I feel like that's been Dude, the thing with people like, like, Yoda shouldn't use a lightsaber. Yoda should be so powerful that he just, you know, squeezes his sphincter and heads explode. I'm like, okay. Uh, well. Okay, ha- half of that. I do think it's important for Yoda not to use a lightsaber. Not because he's so powerful or anything like that. It's because <laughs> of what part of the philosophy of the Force he's represent- representation of. It's more... But anyway... I, I that's new. That's news to me because for years I've been hearing people be like, "Oh yeah, Attack of the Clones is sucks," but at least that fight with Yoda's awesome, right? I, that's what I, I've been. again. I always loved it. I still loved it. People are like, "Oh, he bounces around like he's like three foot nothing." How do you think he fights? Yeah, I just yeah. I mean, oh, he uses. You, the you say yourself. Mm-hmm. I fall on the side of I don't think Yoda should be a, a saber duelist. I think he should be I, a forced fighter. I will for the sole purpose of this is meant to represent the Jedi are out of order, out of balance. They are not being who they should be. So if Yoda's using a lightsaber, that kind of goes into the larger narrative of the Jedi are like, we're peacekeepers. We're not generals. Like, Hey, do you want to lead a war? Well, I guess we have to. So if Yoda's doing something uncharacteristic to Yoda, it kind of fits with, well, yeah, the Jedi fucking suck at this point. So they're all doing stuff. They shouldn't be. You know what? That's fair. I will also, I will also concede this, that that is me pulling my preconceptions about Yoda from Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi into the Attack of the Clones. Now, whether or not that's fair, I think there are arguments for both sides. I think in general, the prequels are constructed in a way that, of course, they expect you to bring your preconceptions yes. in there. Again, and then- Boba Fett is introduced in this movie as the clone of the most badass man in history. So badass, they made an army of him. That's yeah, and so by that... on. Yeah, and so by that argument, I feel like turning Yoda into what they did is a is trying to have your cake and eat it too in yeah. a way that really annoys me. But okay, fine. I was not aware that the 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 tide had turned against that. I guess I'm with the tide there. But I was annoyed with that back when Attack of the Clones first came out. So I I don't know. Uh, Anakin's duel with Dooku, however, is kind of bad. I, it's not memorable. Like I no. love Christopher Lee. He's great. But it was obvious, you know, trying to cut in stunt performers, and it's just like, oh, this this isn't working. Well, I mean, the I don't even know how to say it because again, this is one of those ones people have been espousing for years, and I don't want to just repeat the same shit. But I'm not a fan of the over choreography of the lightsaber duels and the prequels in general. There are exceptions, like I said, the duel of the fates is great, but Attack of the Clones is where it starts feeling. It doesn't need to be super practical. It is a fucking magic fantasy sci- science fiction, but it becomes a lot more hard to swallow when it's that level of ostentatious. I don't, I don't know. My, my problem is there are no memorable lightsaber duels for me, really, from Attack of the Clones outside of Yoda and Dooku. And it's not memorable because it's good. It's memorable because, holy shit, Yoda has a lightsaber. That's new. Yeah, and for me, the only memorable lightsaber thing in really is that moment when when Anakin chops off a Sand Raider's head, and it's just a great iconic shot yeah. of him outside the tent holding the, the saber down. Oh yeah, so it's, it's all face acting, which is where Hayden's fucking making his meal. 
yeah, that like that shot alone was like that's wallpaper worthy right yep, there. Like, oh, now we're seeing Vader. Uh, last things, last big thing. This is my thing. Uh, the Battle of Geonosis is a terrible battle that I love <laughs> because it's, right. it's it's a toy commercial. It's it's, I mean, it's yes. one big toy commercial, and I loved it. I'm like, I love I love the clones. I love all the various walkers and the gunships. That that is my bread and butter. I love all that stuff. Like, yeah, no, cool. Droids are cool. Is this battle good? Fuck no. It's disorganized. I don't know who's winning. I don't know who's where. But you know what? Big toys. So Mace Windu's okay. Oh yeah, Mace Windu's also okay. Out. Ah, oh. it's hard to misuse Samuel L. Jackson. Honestly, I just need I need more of him. But yeah, but and like I didn't even get into. I think again, I'm trying to be more positive and, and sound, and I'm probably sounding like I like Attack of the Clones more than I actually do. But you know, like I said, I'm just trying to focus on the good parts right now. You've heard other people rag on about it so sure let's move on all right now let's talk about a fun little relic that a lot of people forgot happened and that's gendry tartakovsky's clone wars yeah which is not the clone wars which we'll talk about later but this was a little 2d animated short thing that a lot of times would play like they ran between episodes on cartoon network yeah it would just be like they were like two to five minutes yeah, and admittedly, I don't remember most of them, but I do remember the one of General Grievous yep. murdering a bunch of Jedi, and where he was fucking terrifying. So yeah, he was basically the scenes, a xenomorph. For this one, uh, Lucas approached uh, Gendry off the back of Samurai Jack, like he really liked Samurai Jack and that art style, and he I mean, wanted it makes sense. he wanted them to make a toy commercial for him. You know, yeah. like hey, can you do that some toy commercials in anime style? And like, like he had like thirty seconds. So it was like thirty seconds to a minute. I'm like, uh, can I do like three to five minutes so I can get a little bit of story. And they're like, okay, cool. Sold it to Cartoon Network to go as bumpers. And this is where we built out a lot of that story between the movies, like with the actual Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, in true Tartakovsky style, it's mostly just sick action. Yeah, not a lot of dialogue. No, very not dialogue. It's super non-dialogue I remember, heavy. I remember one of them involves showing Mace Windu like we imagined Mace yeah, Windu. Yeah, fucking Mace Windu bare knuckle brawls an entire Jedi army because he loses his lightsaber. So he's throwing force punches. Yeah. Which is great, which Um, is more what I expect from Yoda. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, no, that was sick. There's a great scene where Obi-Wan leads a legion of clones on bikes with lances. Yep. And by the way, if you're a new listener for some reason, but thank you, by the way, we are huge fans of Tarkovsky's work here. Uh, Ulrich is a massive fan of Primal. We are both massive fans of Samurai Jack. So Clone Wars fits right in where our sensibilities lie. Yeah. Um, again, we get a little bit of building work in there. We get more of Anakin, Padme's relationship. We get to see some characters that become big in comics later. Uh, we get a really cool thing where Anakin has to go on. His, I think it's like the test of the wills, which is his, you know, determining if he's going to be a Jedi. I believe we even see at one point how Grievous got wounded by like Obi-Wan, don't we? No, well, he gets his wheeze is established because it ends with an invasion of Coruscant and kidnapping Palpatine. And I think Yoda crushes one of his lungs. Oh, Yoda. I thought it was Obi Wan. Okay, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah that's Yoda what I meant. Is that we saw oh, we get the, the sick Yoda using the force to bring down a well, big lander, like standing on this barricade, reaching up. Doing the Star Killer before Star Killer. Exactly. That's the kind of stuff I expect to see Yoda doing that is badass. Yeah, no, basically it's all badassery. We get another scene of Anakin kind of slipping to the dark side when he murders uh, Asajj Ventress, an assassin sent by Dooku, like brutally murders her. Yeah. And we're like, oh, yep. he's losing how, his shit. How long, how long is Clone? How many 
shorts are there in Clone Wars? I think there's like remember? 10 per season. There's two, so it's like 20, and they're all like 5 to 10 minutes. Yeah, so it's not long. I Do you no. know if it's available anywhere? It's on Disney+. So Plus. I rewatched it recently because it's just like, oh, no, this is this is what I want in my Star Wars. This is Saturday morning Star Wars for me. If I had access to Disney+, Plus, I'd probably give it a rewatch, but I don't uh, right It now. may or may not be available on a certain U-based, tube-based site. I will look up later. Anyway, yeah. It's worth it's it for cool. the art, if nothing else. It's got some really fun stories. It Again, it tries to build out the connective tissue that the prequel so desperately needed in a very condensed package. Yeah. It and it's mostly a good, sets up awesome clones. Yeah, and it's a great lead-in to Revenge of the Sith, which, again, I'll say is is good. I don't think it's as good as any of the original three, but I do like it. I I like that it is... It's an understandable kind of fall i think for one specific reason and that the ideas of anakin and padme being a sci-fi romeo and juliet which is not me using the most famous couple in in literary history willy-nilly i mean that's like kind of reason why they act the way they do in attack of the clones is because george lucas who is a kind of a classicist when it comes to like what literary references he, I mean, there's a reason why Joseph anyway, of course he was using like Romeo and Juliet specifically. And so the fact that Anakin's fall is based entirely around that essentially, as well as a whole host of other, like, you know, bits of hay until that's eventually breaks it. I like that. I like how his fall is portrayed. I, I like uh, how him and Obi-Wan's fight, while choreography speaking, I'm not a huge fan of because, again, it's overstyled and over-ostentatious, but the emotions at play, I'm all bored on that. <laughs> so here's the thing with Revenge of the Sith that I've had to recognize for myself. I love the movie version in my head more than Probably. the actual movie. I bet that's true for me, Because I watch I just... this movie, and I'm like, I see all the potential. And I like, as much as I complain about make, your movies are getting too damn long, like I would watch a six-hour cut of this because I see all these little things like, no, no, that needs more time. That needs more time. Play with that. Put that back in. Add that. And this is like the longest in the series, I think. Yeah. And I think when I think of like scenes in Revenge of the Sith, there are more scenes that I remember liking than in either of the two prequels. Like, again, I like almost. So Hayden Christian is Christian's Christian. He's had a. Christensen. All right. I, for some reason, it felt wrong <laughs> coming out of my mouth that way. But Hayden Christensen, there's been a reappraisal of him as an actor in recent years. Uh, him showing up on Obi-Wan to reprise Darth Vader was awesome. He's also and in Ahsoka, and he's really good in Ahsoka. I totally believe that. And, but I feel like you could see it on display in Revenge of the Ulrich mentioned earlier that Hayden Christensen's a very good facial actor. I think that is true, and you can see that here. And I, I'm not going to say he's like some amazing actor i think he has skills and part of his skills is in what he does with his face and i think we see that a lot of particularly the entire sequence with uh with the emperor getting you know revealed or you know sidious getting revealed i guess i should say and how he's struggling that entire time with what he knows what he's been taught what he's been told like you can see the whole thing on anakin's face through that whole sequence to the point where when he when he betrays Mace Windu, mm-hmm. it made sense to me. It didn't feel like like it was just out of nowhere make him fall. No, I I totally bought that this is where he's gotten to. Yeah, you've seen the things leading up to it. So first things first, we got to talk about what is still probably the best space battle in Star Wars. The opening battle over Coruscant. Best space battle in Star Wars. I guess. 
pretty good. I, I mean, I'm just talking like scale wise. And this is where Lucas and again, the CGI, love it or hate it. This is where Lucas wanted it to be like he painted this massive thing with all this stuff going on in the background and all these ships flying over each other that just, you know, they're not prior to the story, but there's dogfights in the backgrounds and the foregrounds. And I don't. OK, I don't think it's a better space battle than the raid on the Death Star. But it is a different tone entirely. The entire tone of that sequence is jovial. It, you know, it's a lot of like, I mean, Anakin's having a great time. And since he's our like POV character at that point, it's supposed to be like, yeah, we know this is a war and whatnot, but Anakin's having a good time. So you should be having a good time too. So it it feels like a war in space more than a, I, I love that Death Star run is great, but Death Star run is a small group of insurgents trying to do a tactical strike. This is the big, epic, bombastic battle. Yeah, but I'm just saying that to me, it doesn't feel like a battle as much as it feels like... And I'm not saying this is a disparaging way. I'm. It feels more like what we've come to expect from like MCU-type battle yes. things. And again, that's to me, that's not negative or positive. It's just observational, And it, but it changes how it lands, I think. No, it's a great one. I love all of that. Uh, we got to see Wookiee uh, the fight with Sheik. Oh, yeah. And the fight with Dooku... And fine. It's fine. I mean, again, I get, there's too much going on. We need but that was a time. Yeah, but that was a good example of like, if you had watched Clone Wars and seen things like Dooku sending an assassin after Anakin, then Anakin cutting off his head makes a lot more sense. But if you didn't watch it, yeah, you can buy it. You can get there. Which, but it does. Clone feel... Wars, real quick. That is a testament to Tartakovsky's skills that he crafted all this stuff for what were li- what were basically toy commercials. Yeah, but anyway, like the whole do it, which is a great meme at this point. But it uh, again, it, it it feels a little jarring and feels almost like, well, we know that Anakin's got this darkness. We saw him kill, you know, sand people before, but they killed his mom. Dooku cut off his arm and just well, beat Obi-Wan. Great, but eh. it's the great line that gets repurposed back. He's too dangerous to be taken prisoner. He's too dangerous to be kept alive. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like the scene almost works. I think. Yeah, I think it. it There's a lot of movie that almost works, which is again, yeah. I want someone else to help Lucas guide it through, and I want more. Yeah. Um. The whole secret pad. Oh, I mean, the entire idea of the Jedi are not supposed to form attachments and whatnot. I again, because the Jedi Council are the the problem a lot of the times. But the, the Jedi hidden... are the villains of the prequels. That is the whole point of the prequels. Established orders are the problem. <laughs> Partly. In, yes. Entrenched power and how it corrupts and how it grows inefficient over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sure, sure. I just think villains not necessarily the right word, but they're definitely the cause of a lot of the problem. <laughs> Again, it's just as funny. It's like we're peacekeepers, not generals. And like, well, General Kenobi and General Skywalker and General Windu. And, you know, like the emperor can't be trusted. We need to step in as the new authority. We've got an army behind us. What does it matter? It's like, ooh, OK, I see the ideas Lucas is playing with here, but not all the way through. Yeah. And again, like you're you're putting them opposite a guy who is objectively evil, like the yes. way Darth Sidious is everything about him is supposed to be. This is definitely evil but this so i think it, this is definitely the movie where we're like how did no one ever figure this out look at him he's so cackling it, over there in the corner is it, so it muddies the message a little bit when that's what you're yes opposing with but yes on paper it makes a lot of sense that there's this like idea of what the jedi are at this point in in time and also again other people mentioned this before but the prophecy comes true yeah anakin direct the 
but the, the prophecy never said, you know, destroys the Sith or anything. The, they kept brings repeating. Order bring, to the Force. Well, balance brings balance yes, to balance. the Force. And they tell us in Phantom Menace that there are only ever two Sith ever, right? And now we've got a whole, like, council, more so, an order of Jedi. And Anakin basically chops them down until there's only two. There's Yoda and Obi-Wan. Yep. Later, so out there was not a Jedi, number, but eh. yeah, yeah. But the point is that as far as the movie's concerned, he literally chops it down to when there's two Sith and two Jedi. He fulfilled the prophecy, he brought balance to the Force. Yeah, the Jedi had too much power, which they <laughs> did. They were leading an army and conquering worlds. Oh, one thing I will also say about the Obi Wan uh, Anakin fight, even though I'm not a huge fan of the choreography from a visual standpoint, I have watched all the behind the scenes of Ian McGregor and Hayden Christensen practicing that. I have nothing but respect. Oh, they went all for in. The, yeah, like I think it's awesome the degree to which they just just did that. I, I don't. I think it's too bad that on on the screen it ends up looking a little too much like dancing. And I'm a martial arts fan. I'm used to my martial arts looking like dancing, but you got to find a balance. And they kind of went too much in one direction. No, I love I love the bat their their duel, and when people are like oh it goes on too long, like no, this is heart wrenching, perfect stuff. It is non verbal acting. Everything has to be conveyed through body language. Well, the funny thing uh, is is that it is in all intents and purposes, it's an anime fight. Yeah, and right down to the over the top music and setting. Yeah, the best anime fights are ones that are telling a story with the fight, and that's what's going on here. No, and it's heartbreaking um, when Yoda, Yoda fighting the Emperor is pretty cool. I like that they just oh, yeah. chuck force powers at each other. Yeah, because cool. okay, let's talk about that real quick. The lights, the Emperor is lightsaber. No, the Emperor should not have used the lightsaber. That was just what the heck. Yeah, he never used one in the original. Okay, again, I don't care be... that he did. It's just it was done so badly. Like he goes ha, and it's like what? <laughs> no, stop it. Yeah, and again, I do not think it's like they're so powerful they don't need it. I think it's again that Yoda and the Insidious are to me supposed to represent the extremes of being connected with the Force to the point where they don't need something like a lightsaber. They don't use something like a lightsaber because that's not connected to what they what I, they are. But anyway, I like it because it feels like a smart choice of we've had nothing but lightsaber duels. Let's just have a Force duel to break it up. Yeah, which I think I wish there was more of. But yeah. No, one thing I will say, and maybe we'll do a few. Oh, and Order sixty six is great. Oh, yeah. like, hit, hit it because we got to come back to Order sixty six. Is we do not get enough force powers in live action Star Wars like we do in animated Star Wars or video games. Yeah, or video games. So we need more of that. Yeah, no. Okay, Order sixty six is fucking perfect. amazing. It's basically perfect. Yes, it is heartbreaking. It is. Because again, if you're like me, I kind of started getting into the expanded universe. So when these characters were getting gunned down, I knew who they were. Yeah. And now that oh. we've fleshed it out even more, I know who's gunning them down. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if there's an argument to be made about this, but I know the memes forever about Anakin killing children are a thing. It's like, yeah, he killed children in the last movie. They were sand people children, but he himself said, I killed them all, the women and the children too. He knows exactly what he was doing. So him killing non people children is not as big a jump as the internet has made it out to be <laughs> yeah and then again that's a terrible scene but that scene when he's walking up with the whole 501st at his back yeah it's great it's like fucking this is this this george lucas as a filmmaker well, it's also hayden christensen looking legitimately like non-suited darth vader finally yeah. with the hood up and the, the color in the eyes and the right shadows like oh yeah that's vader 
That looks like Vader. Now, the <laughs> only real problem with this, and this kind of goes back to the whole thing, is like it doesn't feel like we've seen all of the steps that have pushed him to this point. Which is why it's great that we got the Clone Wars. Yes. Which is, admittedly, I have not had too much experience with, but I've seen so many clips of it, and I know a lot of people who are fans of it. And so it's kind of like Tarkovsky's you know, Clone Wars, except this is more like a proper series, a little more uh, three-dimensional because it's yep. kind of CG, but it's just a series following things that were happening during the Clone Wars. So this is fun because Lucas worked on this directly, yeah. but he had a team around him to go, okay, George, what if we didn't do that? Yeah, and this is where, was this the introduction of Ahsoka? This is where Ahsoka came in as a combination character between Dave Filoni and George Lucas because they're like, okay, Anakin is going to get up to Jedi General, but we need, you know... It's like him a kid sidekick for the kids. She starts out kind of terrible. Then they eventually find a way to write her. And she has a really cool story arc throughout. Yeah. But we get a lot more of Anakin struggling with his own rage. Oh, there's a lot of that. It's a lot of, again, we see the Clone Wars. We see how this drags out and grinds on and people get lost and people die. It makes the clones into characters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is no more haunting line for a Clone Wars fan, then good soldiers follow orders. Mm-hmm. Because when you know the context of that one, it just kind of sends chills. Or when you say, there's a great line with one of the clones, because I'll just do this minor spoiler. They find out that they have these little chips in their brains, but they've always been told, oh, that's just, you know, keep your aggressive tendencies under control. Mm-hmm. That's there for Order 66. Of course. And one of them finds out and tries to warn everybody and ends up dying. And his last words are like, the dreams, brothers. I won't have the dreams anymore mm. because it's like the clones have had these weird night. Like it talks about these clones have these weird nightmares about having to betray the Jedi that they've come to fight alongside, mm-hmm. but they don't understand why. I, by the way, the again, the way Order sixty six is shot to like the the little I forgot who it which exactly it is, but there's the moment when it first gets said, and then you see one of the troopers just like uh, it's pauses. Commander Cody. Yeah, he just pauses for a second, and then he's like, like yeah. Very well. I forgot the exact words he says, but execute that mo- order sixty six, and he just turns, points to the cannon at Kenobi. I, I just I remember there being this moment where it's like without a face and without even saying anything, you can feel the like this. Oh well, now it's time for this. Yeah, it's like a moment of like, well, I have to do this. I don't want to do it, but I I knew this might come. <laughs> so Clone Wars is great because it kind of builds on like and establishes all these characters. It really fleshes them out. You're like, oh man, you're such a great guy, and like. And you're going to gun this person down yeah. or you get attached to clones. So like when they have these big, long story arcs and when they die, I mean, that that hits hard. Uh, two real problems. The... There's two problems with it, though. I will admit mm-hmm. one is for the like first three seasons. It's not in chronological order. E- fair. Which, By the way, I will say I, I had to relook up her names. I remember it. But Ayla Sakura's death specifically uh, haunted me. Oh, yeah. No, the more you learn about that one, the harsher it becomes, too. Yeah, but anyone who doesn't know, because they don't look into any more Star Wars deep cut, Ayla Sakura is the Twi'lek Jedi, who, she's, you know, the girl with tentacle head, but she's the one who just gets shot in the back, and then we watch <laughs> her get shot in the ground a few times. No, the thing is, you don't, like, the leaves go over, and you don't see, yeah. you just see the flashes of light. I know, that's what I mean, yes. And it's and- so much harsher. But again, when you know that they had been, you know... Her clones loved her and they'd been fighting on this stupid. They fight over Felucia so much back and forth in this show. Like I said, it, yeah. Clone Wars makes 
the rest of Star Wars better because like you get context and you get characters and you get names and you get places and settings and you see all the stuff they go through. Yeah, and Ayla Sakura is one of those characters that has been expanded on a lot in yep. other materials. She's she's very fun, very. Cool. She shows up in this with a with a very with a French accent, which is really weird. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, no, her canonical accent is French because George. I just Lucas... read about her, seen her in games yeah. and stuff. No, George Lucas decided that she was canonically had a French accent. I'm fine with that. Why and not? uh Dave Filoni wanted her to have a more tough Brooklyn accent was the direction he wanted to go, but Lucas finally gets the final say. I can see either way with that. I mean, I do like a girl with a Brooklyn accent, so yeah, I'm it just fits the character more. But yeah, no, it's it was done out of order, which is kind of annoying. Fortunately, mm-hmm. there is guides to watch in order, which kind of helps because again, when you have whole arcs of fighting for one planet, it's really disoriented. Like, wait a second, you died last episode and now you're back. Another great example is there's a group of clones you follow called the domino squad mm-hmm. which 90 percent of them are killed at their first appearance and then they <laughs> go back and they establish all the characters and you're like oh had i known that when i first watched this it would have been sad when you died but you were just another random clone uh, also i believe because i don't know the context of this in our last recording we mentioned a actor named sam whitwer mm-hmm. who's basically the most excitable star wars fan celebrity you'll find who was the face and voice of Starkiller in The Force Unleashed and also became the voice of Darth Maul when a lot of extended background story. But I believe he's also voices a lot of characters more than just Darth Maul. Yeah, uh, he's in this. He's in, like, he's Darth Maul. I think he's, no. Fancy Brown is Savage Press. Yeah, but the point is, I, I think it's in Clone Wars where there's a great story where he out Star Wars geeked Dave Filoni, which we mentioned his name a few times. Dave Filoni's one of those guys who's like just big he's the showrunner for clone wars he's kind of the guy that looked at the prequels went okay i see what you were going for now i'm going to help you get that out yeah apparently there was some sequence where anakin was going to meet like padme's mother i think or something and they were like they had written it so that it was their first meeting and sam where one of dave filoni went uh hey he met her back in like phantom menace or attack of the clones or something like he did meet her already and they're like huh probably attack of the clones (laughs) Yeah, but it was just funny because yeah. it's a great inner. It's a great little story. The same Wars is amazing. Uh, Clone Wars is great because you get all this great stuff. There's really good plots. There's really good, meaningful things like commentaries. They do a lot of building clones. There's a second invasion of Geonosis, which is an actual good battle and cool. has a part where there are flame troopers. Now, ad- admittedly, because of how Clone Wars is animated and because of its structure, I don't think admittedly i've not seen the whole show like i said i've seen very very little of it actually its action sequences are not as i think well constructed as tarkovsky's in in his clone but that's it's almost an unfair comparison basically they're trying to do different things well tarkovsky is a master of using animation to convey action well also because he was working with a much shorter time frame a lot of his actions are composed of great like pose shot to pose shot and whereas the, because the because this Clone Wars series was more CG, was more about the characters, more about dialogue. The actual action sequences are more simple, for lack of a term, which yeah. is not inherently bad. It just means it's that they're more not as big battles. But yeah. that even kind of breaks down. Like they could only afford so many model types, so you're yeah. going to see a lot of ATTEs because mm-hmm. they had that, they used that. You're not going to get. Um, and Clone Wars know. went for how long? Uh, seven seasons, I believe. Seven seasons. 
Yeah, now, and then it, I have to it, discuss Seven Season as one of the week. Yeah, and it does continue into Rebels, but we're not talking about Rebels now. We'll talk nope. about that later. But so, one show we will talk about now because and it, well, hold on, I'm we're a little talk confused. About season seven, real quick. Oh, okay, go ahead. So season seven, the show gets canceled when Disney buys Star Wars because mm-hmm. they it was on Cartoon Network and they didn't want any other network having Star Wars but Disney. Because that's how Disney operates. Yes. Yeah, so it kind of they, did the, they a, did the fucking same thing to Spider Man. It yes. pisses me off. They did it to Avengers. Mighty, they did it to Avengers Assemble. They did it to all the stuff. Yeah. Um. So season six ends on a really big cliffhanger mm-hmm. with Ahsoka, and then we kind of got some cobbled together last minute. They had time to get out the door episodes. Yeah. And then to celebrate Disney Plus, we got season seven, which was a condensed season that basically boiled down to two pilots and a capper episode, a capper trilogy. Okay. The bat, the uh, prequel, the pilots being one for the bad batch, which we'll talk about here in a second. Another one being Ahsoka's adventures through smuggling. And then the third one being, okay, where was Ahsoka during order 66? And how did that play out? Yeah. Which that's really great. Cause they've got the big budget. They can do all this crazy animation. We get to see, okay, what happened when all these characters we've loved and come to know were told, and now you have to kill her. How did that play out? Mm-hmm. And that's really good. Heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. So last things last, the bad match. Now, Real quick before, because I do want to explain this. To my information, The Bad Batch is fairly recent, which means that it falls more under a sequel trilogy conversation. So why are we talking about it here? Because The Bad Batch takes place between um, episode three and episode four. But mostly we're talking about it here because it's focused on what happened to the clones afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's firmly rooted in telling the story in and around the prequels and the Clone Wars. And okay. I have no, I didn't watch any of the Bad Batch, so I have no argument. I just wanted to hear what your justification yeah. was. That's why it's here. It's like the Bad Batch discussion doesn't really fit anywhere else in Star Wars because it was built off the back of Filoni going, you guys really love the clones. I really like telling stories about the clones. Let's talk about what happened to the clones after the Clone I mean, Wars. By that argument, it feels like Rebels would fit here, but go on. Ah, Rebels is its own weird thing because Rebels is more building towards the rebellion. The only other reason Rebels isn't on here is I don't have as strong. I don't have strong feelings towards Rebels. Rebels is fine. Well, here, let's get Rebels out real quick. I'll just say this. I watched very little Rebels. What I did watch was the awesome sequence of Ahsoka and Darth Vader fighting where Darth Vader gets to utter the the line where Ahsoka says, I'm not leaving you this time. And Darth Vader goes, then you will die. Uh, Or the sequence where... Uh, Urza or Ezra, whatever Ezra. the main character's name, says something like, I'm not afraid of you. And Vader goes, Then you will die braver than most. Rebels gives Vader some fucking awesome stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, no, Vader's great in Rebels. There's a lot everything of about Maul and every scene with Maul in it that I've ever seen on like YouTube or whatever from Rebels is killer. And Maul and Obi-Wan's final sequence, which is in Rebels, is a literal masterclass. It's basically a Tarkovsky scene, weirdly enough, but it's, yeah. it's a masterclass in simple action and storytelling. No, there's there. a lot of good to be had with Rebels. I really do like Rebels. The reason I can't get as passionate about Rebels is it's an era I'm not as interested in. It's stories, it's more Jedi focused stories, which I don't really, I don't connect to as much. Just there, I have no interest in watching the show. I just have watched the sequences. Oh no, but Rebels I'm glad has those... a lot of good to it. Chopper is hands down one of the best characters created in for Star Wars in the last decade. Yeah, I just wanted to at least like if we're not going to cover it because neither one of us really have any. I just wanted to share that like if you were out there listening and you haven't seen those sequences from Rebels, like yeah, just just look them up. They're great. <laughs> yeah, no, Rebels is good. It's just it's very Jedi heavy. I'm not a Jedi heavy person. That's why we're not really talking about Rebels. All right, anyway, Bad Batch. Okay, to my knowledge, 
Bad Batch, right, is about a group of stormtroopers who resisted Order 66 or weren't part of it? Or Okay, so they were a group of, quote-unquote, defective clones. Yeah, a defective batch makes sense. They, they fill your stereotypical of the strong one, the tech one, the sniper one, the leader. Your predator jungle team, essentially. Yes, basically very much that. Um, They are there right at the end of... Uh, the, the first episode is Order 66. Because of their defects, they don't necessarily follow Order 66. And they end up kind of going on the run. Um, it's When it's good, it's really fucking good. Mm-hmm. When it's not good, it's just okay Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's good, it deals with things like the clone struggle. Like, we were meant for war. The Empire's offering us an opportunity to continue doing that. Shouldn't we do that? Well, the Empire's evil. And... What happens to old soldiers when the wars are over? Yeah. Like, that's the big thing it talks about is what happens to old soldiers when the war is over. Mm-hmm. And there's this great scene in the second season, mild spoilers, where Order 66 is kind of receded. And now the clones are having to live with the guilt of what they did mm-hmm. and kind of going, I served with these people on countless worlds through countless wars and I gunned them down. And I gunned them down for an empire that's willing to shit me off and write me off and just doesn't consider me human anymore sounds like the kind of thing that star wars would cover yeah it's really good so again when it's great it is peak star wars of these guys talking about because all clone wars did was yeah we're clones but we have names we have personalities we are people we are not just gear and the empire going why is my blaster talking (laughs) and again at a 40k flashback when you said that (laughs) yeah but you get what i'm saying and it's just and that's when it's really good. And it's about these clones. These clones, they kind of do mercenary gigs, and that's some of the filler stuff. But there are times like they're trying to help clones. They're trying to help the rebellion. Again, they're trying to figure out where their place is in this new world where the Empire doesn't want them. Mm-hmm. And they're just, what are they? Again, it's an old soldier story, which is my favorite kind of Star Wars story. I mean, I feel like in some ways that's just your favorite kind of story. Yes, it is. No, if I haven't said it here, I've said it elsewhere. My dream Star Wars show, if it ever got made, is a Band of Brothers style story set during the Clone Wars, where we just follow a single group of clones. And every time one dies at the end, it just lists their name, you know, birthplace, Camino, where they died, listed. And then the last episode, of course, is Order 66, and it's called Good Soldiers Follow Orders. Sidebar to the audience, this is exactly why me and other members of the Discord kept telling Ulrich that he needed to see the movie Sisu which came out earlier this year. He was bombarded with people telling him how good it was. And then he finally did see it. And the hype didn't let him down. No, Caesar's great. That's his kind of movie. <laughs> and again, I should explain, I guess, the phrase good soldiers follow orders. For anyone who doesn't know, yeah. Because when Order 66 is initiated, that's what clones say. is good soldiers follow orders. The order is to kill the Jedi. I am a good soldier. I will kill this Jedi. Okay. And where it gets kind of twisted in Bad Batch is they're like, good soldiers follow orders. I was a good soldier. I followed orders. Why do I feel bad? Yeah. And again, kind of a fun meta commentary on the phrase of I was only following orders isn't an excuse. <laughs> it's never an excuse. But again, it's kind of talking like in Star Wars. And again, it's just, again, when Bad Batch is good, I mean, it's really good. Now I'm curious if Bad Batch ever did a metaphor for the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> No, they didn't go that deep. That would be post-Empire. They would get into that one. True. It's just they, that, have a kaiju, they have a kaiju episode. That's good to hear. Oh, sidebar. Go see Godzilla Minus One to anyone while it's in theaters. When this gets released, just go see it. Anyway. Yeah. No, unfortunately, Bad Batch is coming in on its third season, and then it's going to be done. 
I feel like this is they're, they're cutting their legs out when they're just getting steam. Because the first season, they really aren't sure what they wanted to do. They had some ideas. Second season is 100% this story of what happened to the clones, the real evils of the Empire. Uh Like, unequivocally going, the Empire is evil, and this is why. And again, just this idea of all these guys did all these things, and now the Empire's like, okay, go away. We need stormtroopers now. They're better. (laughs) All right. I've got nothing to add to that, so cool. Yeah, I don't know. That's the prequels era i think it is defined by having a lot of great ideas but lucas didn't necessarily have the skills to get them all out i re-going over it now i would i'm much happier just trying to remember the good parts than i I spent plenty of this recording getting my gripes out because fucking everyone who's on the internet eventually gets their prequel gripes out that was kind of a passage but i would much rather just remember the parts of it i liked oh um we didn't mention this in Revenge of the Sith, but uh, yeah, Darth Vader's first word being no is stupid, but whatever. Yeah, it's, it's a small enough thing. There Again, there's a lot we didn't go over. That, that, I yeah, guess and there's also plenty of actual material that we really haven't gone over, too. Like, there are many games that oh, came out. Oh, shout out were... to uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, one of my favorite first-person shooters of all time. I mean, I guess you could play as a first-person shooter. I always play as a third-person shooter, but yes, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is amazing. It was both. And... And I'm still mad we never got that third one. Yeah. Oh, and for anyone who's young enough to uh, think we're talking about the the recent one, no, we're not. No, there not was... the, no. Th- those are a yeah. desecration of the memory. Yeah, there was a Star Wars Battlefront 2 that was on, like, PlayStation 2. Like, yeah, that's how old we're talking. Yeah, Xbox from Pandemic. Yeah. It was fucking amazing. I still play it to this day, and it it holds up better than it should. I've got it on my PC. It's it's great. I haven't played it in years, but I still have it. For, oh, I don't own it. Yeah. Again, it's got it's got its flaws of its time but yeah. but i believe next week we're going to talk about my favorite star wars video game yeah i think next week we're gonna try and wrap this all up with talking about current star wars and other media and the sequel trilogy and related stuff yeah not gonna spend a lot of time on that one because we're not going over uh the last jedi we did that in our first episode I other than to say well we'll have like one or two sentences yeah probably, there's not gonna be a lot on that there's not there's not gonna be a lot on the sequel trilogy as much as we're like let's talk about everything else and i don't think axel has watched a lot of the star wars tv shows i watched the mandalorian and book of boba fett did you watch season three of mandalorian no okay see so that's going to be our big star wars let's talk about everything else the comics the games everything else we've talked about and star wars as a franchise as a whole all right well then catch us next week for that all right well thank you for listening be sure to like share subscribe do all the things because we're breaking our star wars band for you so make sure you share it with your most Okay, I don't, I don't want people to yell at me. Do not share this with your most jaded Star Wars fan. Share it with someone <laughs> that loves Star Wars and loves talking about Star Wars. That's who I want to talk to. And find us wherever you can find podcasts. If you look and we're not there, sorry. Tell us about it. And if we can make it happen, then we'll make it happen. And I'm sorry that Ulrich's illness is still getting in the way of our outro. It's not his fault. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.